The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine, Book 3, The Girondins, Chapter 9, Extinct. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 3, Chapter 9, Extinct. Accordingly, on Friday, the 31st of May, 1793, there comes forth into the summer sunlight one of the strangest scenes. Mayor Parsh, with municipality, arrives at the Tuileries Hall of Convention, sent for, Paris being invisible ferment, and gives the strangest news. How, in the grey of this morning, while we sat permanent in town hall, watchful for the Commonweal, there entered, precisely as on the 10th of August, some ninety-six extraneous persons who declared themselves to be in a state of insurrection to be plenipotentiary commissioners from the forty-eight sections, sections or members of the sovereign people, all in a state of insurrection, and further that we, in the name of said sovereign insurrection, were dismissed from office. How we thereupon laid off our sashes and withdrew into the adjacent saloon of liberty. How in a moment or two we were called back and reinstated, the sovereign pleasing to think us still worthy of confidence whereby, having taken new oath of office, we on a sudden find ourselves insurrectionary magistrates with extraneous committee of ninety-six sitting by us, and a citoyen Henriot, one of whom some accuse of Septemberism, is made generalissimo of the National Guard, and since six o'clock the toxins ring and the drums beat. Under which peculiar circumstances what would an august National Convention please to direct us to do? Yes, there's the question. Break the insurrectionary authorities, answers some with vehemence. Vernio, at least, will have the national representatives all die at their post. This is sworn to, with ready, loud acclaim. But as to breaking the insurrectionary authorities, alas, while we yet debate, what sound is that? Sound of the alarm cannon on the Pont Neuf, which it is death by the law to fire without order from us. It does boom off there, nevertheless, sending a sound through all hearts. And the toxins discourse stern music, and Henriot with his armed force has enveloped us. And section succeeds section, the lifelong day, demanding with Cambyses' oratory, with a rattle of muskets, that traitors, twenty-two or more, be punished, that the commission of twelve be irrecoverably broken. The heart of the Gironde dies within it, distant are the seventy-two respectable departments, this fiery municipality is near. Barrere is for a middle course, granting something. The Commission of Twelve declares that, not waiting to be broken, it hereby breaks itself and is no more. Fain would reporter Rabot speak his and its last words, but he is bellowed off. Too happy that the twenty-two are still left unviolated, Vernio, carrying the laws of refinement to a great length, moves to the amazement of some that the sections of Paris have deserved well of their country. Whereupon, at a late hour of the evening, the deserving sections retire to their respective places of abode. Barret shall report on it. With busy quill and brain he sits, secluded. For him no sleep to-night. Friday the last of May has ended in this manner. The sections have deserved well, but ought they not to deserve better? 
Faction and Girondism is struck down for the moment and consents to be a nullity. But will it not at another favourable moment rise, still feller, and the Republic have to be saved in spite of it? So reasons patriotism, still permanent. So reasons the figure of Marat, visible in the dim section world on the morrow. To the conviction of men, and so at eventide of Saturday, when Berea had just got it all varnished in the course of the day, and his report was setting off in the evening mailbags, Toxen peals out again. General is beating, armed men taking station in the Place Vendôme and elsewhere for the night, supplied with provisions and liquor. There, under the summer stars, will they wait this night. What is to be seen and to be done? Henriot and Town Hall giving due signal. The convention, at sound of General, hastens back to its hall, but to the number only of a hundred, and does little business, puts off business till the morrow. The Girondins do not stir out thither. The Girondins are abroad seeking beds. Poor Rabot on the morrow morning, returning to his post with Louvet and some others through streets all in ferment, wrings his hands, ejaculating, Illa Suprema Dies! It has become Sunday, the second day of June, year 1793 by the old style, by the new style, year one of liberty, equality, fraternity. We have got to the last scene of all that ends this history of the Girondin senatorship. It seems doubtful whether any terrestrial convention had ever met in such circumstances as this national one now does. Toxin is peeling, barriers shut, all Paris is on the gaze or under arms. As many as a hundred thousand under arms they count, national force and the armed volunteers who should have flown to the frontiers in La Vendée but would not, treason being unpunished, and only flew hither and thither. So many, steady under arms, environ the national Tuileries in garden. There are horse, foot, artillery, sappers with beards, the artillery one can see with their camp furnaces in this national garden, heating bullets red, and their matches lighted. Henriot in plumes rides amidst a plumed staff. All posts and issues are safe. Reserves lie out as far as the wood of Boulogne, the choicest patriots nearest the scene. One other circumstance we will note, that a careful municipality, liberal of camp furnaces, has not forgotten provision cards. No member of the sovereign need now go home to dinner, but can keep rank, plentiful victual circulating unsought. Does not this people understand insurrection? Ye, not uninventive gouaches. Therefore, let a national representation, mandatories of the sovereign, take thought of it. Expulsion of your twenty-two and your commission of twelve. We stand here till it be done. Deputation after deputation, in ever stronger language, comes with that message. Barère proposes a middle course. Will not perhaps the inculpated deputies consent to withdraw voluntarily, to make a generous demission and self-sacrifice for the sake of one's country? Ina, repentant of that search on which Riverbank Paris stood, declares himself ready to demit. Ready also is Tidiam Fatche, old Dessau of the Bastille, vieux radateur, old dotard, as Marat calls him, is still readier. 
On the contrary, Langevinet, the Breton, declares that there is one man who never will demit voluntarily, but will protest to the uttermost while a voice is left him. And he, accordingly, goes on protesting, amid rage and clangour, Legendre crying at last, Langevinet, come down from the tribune, or I will fling thee down, ou je te jette en bas. For matters are come to extremity. Nay, they do clutch hold of Langevinet, certain zealous mountain men, but cannot fling him down, for he cramps himself on the railing, and his clothes get torn. Brave senator, worthy of pity. Neither will Barbaroux demit. He has sworn to die at his post, and will keep that oath. Whereupon the galleries all rise with explosion, brandishing weapons, some of them, and rush out, saying, Allons, then, we must save our country! Such a session as this of Sunday, the 2nd of June. Churches fill over Christian Europe and then empty themselves, but this convention empties not the while. A day of shrieking contention, of agony, humiliation and tearing of coat skirts, illa suprema dies. Round stand Henriot and his hundred thousand, copiously refreshed from tray and basket, Nay, he is distributing five francs apiece. We Girondins saw it with our eyes. Five francs to keep them in heart. And distraction of armed riot encumbers our borders, jangles at our bar. We are prisoners in our own hall. Bishop Gregoire could not get out for a Besswan actuel without four gendarmes to wait on him. What has the character of a national representative become? And now the sunlight falls yellower on western windows, and the chimney-tops are flinging longer shadows. The refreshed hundred thousand, nor their shadows, stir not. What to resolve on? Motion rises superfluous, one would think, that the convention go forth in a body, ascertain with its own eyes whether it is free or not. Lo, therefore, from the eastern gate of the Tuileries, a distressed convention issuing, handsome Eros Seychelles at their head, he with hat on, in sign of public calamity, the rest bareheaded, towards the gate of the Carousel, wondrous to see, towards Henriot and his plumed staff. In the name of the National Convention, make way! Not an inch of the way does Henriot make. I receive no orders till the sovereign, yours and mine, has been obeyed. The convention presses on. Henrio prances back with his staff, some fifteen paces. To arms! Cannoneers! To your guns! Flashes out his puissant sword, as the staff all do, and the hussars all do. Cannoneers brandish the lit match. Infantry present arms, alas, in the level way, as if for firing. Hatted Herot leads his distressed flock through their pinfold of a Tuileries again, across the garden to the gate on the opposite side. Here is Foyon's terrace. Alas, there is our old salle de manege, but neither at this gate of the Pont Tournant is there egress. Try the other, and the other. No egress. We wander, disconsolate, through armed ranks, who indeed salute with Live the Republic, but also with Die the Gironde. Other such sight in the year one of liberty the westering sun never saw. And now, behold, Marat meets us, for he lagged in this suppliant procession of ours. He has got some hundred elect patriots at his heels. He orders us, in the sovereign's name, to return to our place and do as we are bidden and bound. The convention returns. 
Does not the convention, says Couton, with a singular power of face, see that it is free? None but friends round it? The convention, overflowing with friends and armed sectioneers, proceeds to vote as bidden. Many will not vote, but remain silent. Some one or two protest in words. The mountain has a clear unanimity. Commission of twelve and the denounced twenty-two, to whom we add ex-ministers Clavier and Lebrun. These, with some slight extempore alterations, this or that orator proposing, but Marat disposing, are voted to be under arrestment in their own houses. Brissot, Buzo, Vernio, Guade, Louvet, Jeansonnet, Barbaro, La Sauce, Lanjuinet, Rabot, thirty-two by the tale, all that we have known as Girondins and more than we have known. They, under the safeguard of the French people, by and by, under the safeguard of two gendarmes each, shall dwell peaceably in their own houses as non-senators till further order. Herewith ends séance of Sunday, the 2nd of June, 1793. At ten o'clock, under mild stars, the hundred thousand, their work well finished, turn homewards. This same day, Central Insurrection Committee has arrested Madame Roland, imprisoned her in the Abbey. Roland has fled, no one knows whither. Thus fell the Girondins, by insurrection, and became extinct as a party, not without a sigh from most historians. The men were men of parts, of philosophic culture, decent behaviour, not condemnable in that they were pedants and had not better parts, not condemnable but most unfortunate. They wanted a republic of the virtues wherein themselves should be head, and they could only get a republic of the strengths wherein others than they were head. For the rest, Barre shall make report of it. The night concludes with a civic promenade by torchlight. Surely the true reign of fraternity is now not far? End of Book 3, Chapter 9